You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Joelle Blackman and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the standout star that's currently leading the Tony and Grammy winning Broadway production of Town as Persephone in the Aeneas Mitchell Penn show. And now she's about to embark on a personal journey to teach audiences more about the person behind the character with her new solo concert, Tomorrow Is My Turn at 54 Below. So here, in an exclusive conversation, we discuss her extraordinary performance in Hades Town, the loyalty of fans, and what it's like sharing a stage with the legendary Lilius White. Plus, we talk music inspirations, how one Disney musical changed her entire life, learning to love the beautiful complexities of her voice, and why she's ready to step into the spotlight with her solo concert. Tomorrow really is her turn. So get ready as it's the wonderful Joelle Blackman here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Joelle and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please tell me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. She's the Broadway leading star that's currently taking it way down in the Tony and Grammy winning Broadway production of Hades Town, and is about to let us get very personal as part of an exclusive new concert that's coming this May. This is very exciting for me, so let's dive straight in. <laughs> Hello, Joel Blackman. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful Friday. I can't wait to go outside. <laughs> the sun is out, which means I'm instantly in a good mood, and I feel like you're part of that vibe too. Yes, yes, definitely. If I wake up not feeling good but look outside and see it's sunny that definitely shifts my mood hopefully we can continue those good sunny vibes here because I feel very privileged to get the opportunity to talk to you because I was saying just a second ago I've been to see you live on stage in New York it was the most extraordinary experience and I will talk about that in a second but there's something very exciting I want to make sure that we discuss first because it's the opportunity to get to learn a little bit more about you in person as part of this solo concert that you're doing so before I dive into it and ask you specifics are you like yeah of course I want to do this or are you the sort of performer that goes, oh, 
oh hold on a second this is all about me with no character like this is kind of scary how, how does it normally play out for you see i'm definitely the second the latter when i first got the opportunity to do my first show at 54 below back in october i had to pause for a second because i'd actually put into the universe that i wanted to do something like that i put it out into the universe about six months prior and then it kind of fell into my lap and i immediately got scared and kind of wanted to say no um but i had to remember no this is what i wanted i wanted to ask i asked for this and it literally is happening um so i dove right in and when i got through it i was so glad that i did it i was like wow that was amazing what a rush i did it but i was like oh it's over and then the second opportunity presented itself and i had another moment where i was like do i want to do that again because it's a very different thing. It's so easy to hide behind characters, as you say. And, uh, you know, sure, you're revealing parts of yourselves, but it's within this mask and costume, behind this mask and costume. Um, but this is very naked and in your face and very personal um, and very intimate setting. So, yeah, I had to catch myself and be like, you've done it before. You can do it again. And you have other things to share. So why not? I read an interview that you would describe yourself as an introvert. How does that work with being a performer? Yeah, I'm an introverted extrovert. So <laughs> I know how to, I can turn it on when I need to, um, to, to perform and be on stage. But I'm not one of those people who walks into the room and it's like, look at me, look at me. No, I am the op complete opposite of that. Um, it takes me a while to warm up to people, um, but I feel most comfortable on stage. So yeah, it's kind of this weird this weird this weird thing it's almost like body armor i think because i feel like that sometimes doing this job especially sort of speaking to people that i really admire where you think oh gosh i don't want to mess it up but at the same time you're sort of you love and respect them but also it's slightly intimidating being like oh wow it's sort of a one-on-one -on -one experience and i know for performers <laughs> it's almost like the makeup and the hair and the outfit is almost like a, a bit of drag almost like to go out there and pretend to be someone else is that something that you feel yeah most definitely most definitely yeah and if i feel like they didn't like my performance. They were like, well, it was Persephone's performance, not Joelle. <laughs> like, you know, you put all these these things up, these mind tricks to keep you sane. Because I believe to be in this business, you have to be slightly off your rocker a little bit to, 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 to do this and to put yourself out there like that. You're not the most sane person. Maybe that's not the right language to use, but that's how I actually feel about it. No quote unquote normal person would ever do what we do. So that's completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what a joyful experience I, I think to be able to go into those moments being like, do you know what? This is absolutely terrifying. Of course it is because it's incredibly vulnerable, but also that yeah. you as a human being get to reap hopefully a lot of reward from that, which is that you doubted yourself, questioned yourself, but actually did it. And as always, as you do all the time, succeed. I can imagine that's a feeling that's actually, it's very rare in this world to get to find it, but when you do, it, it must yeah. feel special. Oh, most definitely. And then you hold on to that feeling um, for as long as you can. And then when you have those moments of doubts where you begin to question, well, who am I to think that I can do this? Or why would anybody care that I'm doing this? You have to go back and remember, no, I've succeeded. People are interested. People want to hear this. It's okay. So put yourself fair again. Put yourself out there again. All those people that come to see you are there purely to see you. That's one of the great joys of doing solo concerts is it's like, hello, we want you and more of you. Right. And that's the hard thing to grasp, I think, with those kinds of things that I think that's actually the hard part of it. Like it's uh, I still question. I'm like, really? Really? Okay. 
you know, okay, I guess I'll, let me go along with it. Let me not question it. Clearly you want to come. So let me give you what you came for. Has that mentality, I guess, the other side of it where you do doubt yourself, which I think is a very human instinct. Does that sometimes catch you out professionally? You know, like when you think I'd like to play that or do that or be in that, do, does it sometimes work against you? Do you sort of have to fight the urge to say, no, I am worthy of this space that I'm going to take up? What's funny is that happens, that may happen when I eventually, when I get the thing. Going for the thing, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I can get this, of course. Then some, when something really big happens and I get it, then it's like, oh, sh- am I ready? Am I prepared? But I don't think we're ever totally ready for all that comes our way, especially in the pursuit of greatness and success and all these things that require some kind of risk. And you're never going to be completely ready. You can prepare as best as you can, but you never know until you actually get that thing and you're sitting in it, how you're going to do. And, you, and by then you've got it. So you have no choice but to rise to the occasion. So when you first walked on and you you heard the applause when you did the show last time and you, and you felt that reaction, was that then the moment that you went, oh, I can enjoy this now. Yes, that's totally what it was. That's totally what it was. I, I'm trying to even think if I was halfway or three quarters of the way through. Was I like, yeah, okay, I get. I, no, I think the whole time I was a little bit like, you know, on edge. And then when it came down, the clap, everything happened. I was like, <sighs> then there was a sigh of relief, which is crazy because you're like doing. I'm slightly doing the the performance in a bit of angst, you know. <laughs> bit of angst I'm, I'm holding on but it's like it's, uh, teetering which is exciting but scary at the same time definitely it's got to be exciting but also I think the fact that you're nervous shows you actually give a shit and I think people that aren't nervous they make me nervous right right and I like to say not nervous but anxious I prefer hmm. the word anxious as opposed to nervous yeah, yeah for some reason definitely so talk to me about this this concert then at, at 54 which is obviously such a signature venue so tomorrow is my turn which is such a genius yeah title for it firstly I guess a question or two asked why that title and and for for you building a show like this where do you start okay so the title tomorrow is my turn came from one of my favorite songs it was written by is it Jack Alvarez somebody Alvarez believe French and Nina Simone sang it the lyrics are what got me it's really about not apologizing for what you want and who you are and in ways putting yourself first You've done what you can do to help many other people, but now it's your turn to go after what you want and do what you want to do. And so that's why I wanted to to entitle to entitle that. You know, this has been an amazing year of or year and a bit of playing Persephone. But what does that mean? Like what after that? You know, what what is the next thing that I go for? You know, I can still continue to strive and and go and be non-apologetic about what I want. So that's why that's why I kind of love the idea of that show. Like tomorrow is my turn. I'm going to I'm going to do what I want and and take the risks that I want to take and not feel like I have to do anything else that somebody else says I should be doing. It's really about me deciding my own path. So when I thought of that song, that's where the concept came from. And then I was like, well, torch songs are kind of like, it can be torchy songs to me, for me can mean many different things. It can be, be like for a love that is lost, a love that is wanted, a love that is gained. It could be something just that you want, something that you miss. That's what a torch song is to me. I don't know if that's the true definition of torch song, but that's what a torch song is to me. And so I was like, well, those, those are interesting. And there are always, and I like songs that are very story driven. That's how I began building it. And then I was like, well, let me do torch songs of the past and the present and then the, and then what's to come. So I have some from like early musical theater. And when I say early musical theater, I think like, when I think of that, I'm like, I think the oldest musical theater reference I have in the show might be Porgy and Bess. 
it's not even that, you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so we're starting from there and then you go a little bit further into the years and then, and then for the Tomorrow Torch songs. So I write musicals and I have in this show, I've included three of my own compositions in the latter half, um, just of Torch songs of Tomorrow. Talking Best to me is literally like one of the best ever. So even if you start on that, it's such a good choice. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like good. <laughs> also interesting, I think, because the idea and the concept of Torch songs, it means so many different things to so many different people that actually your choice is, is going to be very reflective of you. And I like the fact that we can learn, hopefully learn something from you about the songs as well, which means all eyes about, I wonder why they chose that one. It's it's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also did it to, at the encouragement to show different parts of my voice and different things that I can do. Because, you know, when you're known for a certain part, people can become accustomed to only hearing you one particular way and, and are not sure if you can stretch in this way and what you can do and what you sound like. So that's why it's very, it, like I said, it's anything from Porgy and Bess to there's some company in there to um, Erica Badu to my stuff to Demi Lovato. Like, like, like I mean, it's literally the across the board. And so I think it's a good way to show that to show that range and to show that depth as well. For you, your relationship with your voice, ha have you always been somebody that likes to embrace the varying different inflections of their voice? Or are you somebody that's almost, because I know that a lot, a lot of singers say they're almost intimidated by the fact they get so used to singing in one space. If they sort to sort of flex out and try new things, they're like, this doesn't feel right for me. I guess, what's your relationship been like with the growth of your voice and the fact that as you naturally get older, you find new things, new things that you probably feel nervous about, but also come to love? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. My career is mostly spanned in Canada because I'm because I'm Canadian. The opportunities to use the full range of my voice was never really present. Like I would be dubbed like a mezzo soprano or I would sing alto. But a lot of times I usually sang mezzo soprano now that I think about it. And so I don't think I ever truly got to live in the full scope of my voice until Hades Town to a point, really until Persephone to a point, because she is so rangy. She's she's so rangy. She's at the lowest lows and then pretty high in my opinion. Um and so I've always known I remember my mother saying when I was little and I would sing low, she's like, it sounds like a man. Like that is so low. And I'm like, well, but it's you know, I always thought it was kind of cool. Um, but I never got to really showcase it that much. I think the only show I did in Canada that showcased it really was I did Tommy and I did the Acid Queen. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was that was a song where and that's number where you can show that. Am I scared? Yeah, it's always a little scary to stretch and and flex muscles that might not have been flexed in a while. But I believe that I'm always open to it. I think some people might say I'm not. They might think I'm a little difficult when they try to show me new things. But I think eventually I always come I always come around because I truly see the voice as an instrument with many different tones and timbres. And so I play in different sounds with different sounds in my voice and whatnot. And I and I enjoy that. So I enjoy finding different things and different colors and nuances in the voice. But also it's interesting that, that your mum made that reference about your lower register but then obviously you've played most of these parts that have been in your top register but yeah actually now one of the great things that you're known for so much is this rich wonderful register that's so powerful and so glorious that you're sort of like waiting when you see you in Town to hear more and more and more of it that it's almost like done right. full circle right do you know what I mean you sort of got around yourself no to totally because I came into Town and I was the low fate that was what I did that was my thing and I loved it because I'd never been able to live in that 
that before for so long. And then getting to do Persephone was awesome because I was like, okay, well, good. Now I can practice flex the upper part of my register that I haven't really been using for the past two years, but still also get to play in the bottoms. And and what's great about Hadestown in terms of the music, you know, it's not like some places where you go and it has to be the like the exact note you know, you can play around within reason. Um, and so I can really, when it goes low, I can really lay in when it goes low um, if I want to, which is which is awesome and is very freeing as an artist to do. Absolutely. And I can imagine the greatest part of your performance comes when there is freedom there, if it's on stage or in a concert. And therefore, when you're putting together a concert like this, you do get the opportunity to decide where things sit, which means that I can imagine, and I don't want to sort of foresee anything, but these will be your versions of these songs. It's not just going to be a carbon copy. Exactly. Most definitely. Well, and I, but I hope, I feel like people would figure that out already by knowing <laughs> who I am as an artist. I think people have probably figured that out already. <laughs> They're not coming <laughs> expecting to hear the exact copy of the record, the cast album or anything like that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Can you talk to me about some of your special guests that you've got coming along as well? Oh, yes. So I have Eva, Eva Noblezada, who's going to be on our Eurydice over at Hadestown. And I love, I don't want to say what she's singing or anything, um, but I'm so blessed and thankful that she was um, willing and able to sing. And then I have Vanessa Sears. She's a fellow Canadian. She's actually the standby for Anna in New York, New York. And so I was like, this would be a great way to just introduce her to the New York community and give her a little moment to actually, you know, sing and perform. Because I'm sure being a standby is hard. You're kind of like waiting, waiting on the side there. And then Damone Serafin, who is actually my partner. He is a gifted actor, director, musical man genius who's helped me a lot with by curating curating this um this show and he's done he did rent and last few ragtime saigon so yeah it's it's a small group but it's a it's a great it's a great little group and also one thing that i love about the hadestown family is that the fans do support you as well they're very much supportive of the fact that you are going and trying other things and new things and as we said before getting to experience new things and new inflections in your personality your performance and your voice and i know that this fandom is are a group of people that do like to support outside of there and and i know as an artist that's not lost on you i know you've spoken before about the fact that this is appreciated a lot because this doesn't always happen and i can imagine as an artist to know that they're with you from the beginning means that you do get to sort of i guess share the love a little bit more with them that 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 feels really really nice yeah most definitely it's like they're you know oh sorry my dog is acting up um in a way, us as actors, validation to a point is something that we thrive on, right? And so when you when you form these connections with people who have been following the show since when we first opened on Broadway through the closing to the reopening, and they're still here supporting and whatnot, um, it, 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 it's special. So yeah, you kind of want to gift them this, and they always want more. So it's like you want to gift them access to a little bit more mm. of, of who you are as a person, not just uh, Joel Blackman on stage there, but or on that large scale, but uh, Joel Blackman, uh, you know, more intimate, yeah. uh, uh, definitely a more intimate setting. And I also want to say yes to Hadestown Love because my my band is mostly comprised of Hadestown members as well, which is great. They're so, they're like, I was like, well, you guys play like, of course, Joel. So I have Marika Hughes and Dana Lynn and Robinson Morse who are going to be playing for me. And I'm like, yeah, Broadway musicians coming and playing my show. You know what I mean? On a night off. So that means a lot. That means a lot. And anyone that's had the pleasure of seeing that band, they do it dirty. They are so freaking good. They are so talented. They are so talented. 
Oh, hello. Like me, always just wants to be involved. Yeah, that's <laughs> honestly what it is. It's jealousy. <laughs> jealousy that he's talking to somebody else. How dare you? <laughs> exactly what it is. Can I ask you about what it was like the first time that you saw your production photograph of you in that black dress? You know, the iconic one with the microphone shot from the side with the orange background. Because as far as production pictures go, and, uh, you know, I would say this if you weren't it, that's pretty phenomenal. Like, they did you really, really freaking good. They did. what What I loved, I immediately went back to the day. I remember that day. And I was so excited because it was like my Joel Blackman Persephone production photos and going on the stage and it's different than when you're the understudy right so I'd I'd been understudying it already but it was different that day was for me to shoot shots the theater was completely empty empty and it just had all the lighting set up and the mic in the middle and okay Joel go through the song a few times don't just sing it full out but just like you know go through the motions and whatnot and so seeing those predictors always brings me back to that day and how elated I was because when I first came to know of Town, the role of Persephone was always the role that I wanted and so I said to myself way back in 2017 in Canada I said to myself, I'm going to play that role one day. That was always, that was always the goal. And I I believe everything happened for a reason. I was supposed to be fate three first. That was, that was part of my journey. I was supposed to make my mark in that particular way. And then how I became Persephone, just how it all evolved. I was like, that's exactly how it was supposed to happen. So I just, that day was a great day because I felt so like I, I'm here I made it. I did what I wanted to do. And even now on stage, I still have, I still have moments. It's very easy to cry as a performer doing Hades Town because it pulls so many it pulls so many emotions for you, especially the role of, of Persephone. And so I still have those moments of complete gratitude and awe. And but then also those moments of, well, of course, yes, right? Affirming. Like, yes, I, I did. I am. I'm here. I did it. I did it. I can do it. So yeah. But yes, the pictures are are stunning. There are many that they didn't release. And I'm like, oh, these are amazing. But yeah, they're great. What do you think your time as an understudy wanting to do a leading part and then going through the journey of not being that part, but having the opportunity to flex in and out and then getting to make it mm. yours has taught you, I guess, not just in the instance of this show, but as a creative to go on and perhaps the importance of leading a company because you are the focal point of this cast where they do look to you for your leadership and your direction and also the way in which you conduct yourself and I think it's as much about mm. how you are as a company member as much as it is the talent that you exude. We, I'm sure we know a lot of people in this industry that are great on stage, but perhaps don't lead a company in the way in which we would need as an ensemble member. So yeah. I guess how's your relationship with that sort of developed and got better? You know what? That's actually been tricky for me. I find as, I found as Persephone. For some reason, I felt like I was able to flex that muscle a bit more when I was a fate. And I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe because the pressure when I was a fate didn't feel as much. So I felt more comfortable taking up that space. As Persephone now, I'm going to be very honest. I don't necessarily, I could, I think I could be doing better in that realm. There are certain things that I'm very passionate about and I will always speak on. And then other things that I don't. I find Eva is the best represent- representation for our show in terms of showing leadership. I tend to, and I don't know if it's for me, if race is playing a little bit of a part of it and sometimes feeling the need to watch my words or how I put myself out there or fighting other people's battles because I've done that a lot through my life. 
and just needing to take this moment to breathe and still be there and present and lead and lead in a quiet way, you know, be supportive and be there and be, and be upfront, stand up when I need to stand up. But for me, right, it's more of a, I'm not as forward in terms of that, in terms of leading the company as I probably could be for my own personal reason. That doesn't always necessarily be a bad thing. I think that's actually a very commendable thing because it shows leadership just in a slightly different, more introverted way, but it's still there. And that that's the key. It's the people that don't do it right. that I worry about. Right, 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 right. Of course. Yes. No, most definitely. Most definitely. Have you managed or had the opportunity to learn anything in terms of leading a company or, or I guess, I guess longevity in an industry that is very hard to be able to continue on at level that we deem to be successful but I, I'm, I'm glad that that sort of concept is going out the window when you have a, a you know a colleague and a friend come in like Lilius White who is by all definition just an icon not just of stage and screen but as an artist as a creative as a company leader and also the voice which is literally pure jokes yes I I told Lilius I was like Lilius however many years ago I was working on a cruise ship a Disney cruise ship and I played the muse, the muse she was Calliope in the Disney production of Hercules. And I said, and right now, and now every single night I get to bump butts with you and sing songs and dance and act crazy because we are having, Lilius and I are having the most fun on stage. And she is the kindest person. Like if you want to know how to treat your company and your fellow castmates, um, Lilius way and it's the entire building so I should say that it's like the all the crew I'm already like that in that in that in, in that sense where whenever I go into a theater work environment I always make sure to get to know everybody in the building so I know all the crew's name I say hey I hang out with the props and electricians I'm that person what I found is Lilius is like that too because she knows everybody by name and she'll look at you and she'll have you know conversations with each and every person in that building and I love that about her and and it's really interesting to see her play that role when, like I said, I came back in January because not only did you sit there going, I'm feeling something very special to even be in this audience, but we you know obviously everybody walks on at the start. And when she does, it's like, you feel like you're in the presence of somebody great. It's really, you know, X Factor is a real thing and she has it in spades. Yeah. And what I love is how different that X Factor can present itself because Andre DeShield, of course, had the X Factor. Mm -hmm. And here's Lily Swear with a completely different kind of X Factor. And I love that there's no one way to be that. You know what I mean? And I love that. I love that. I can't wait to see who they do next. This is the great thing is they've started a trend now of like uh, icons only. I know. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it seems to me. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really amazing. Yeah. To see what, what could be next. Can I ask you about stamina? Because I think so much about the voice is mm. of course about physicality and stamina. And, and I had a really interesting mm. conversation with a lady that was recently playing Glinda in the West End production of Wicked. And she was saying that actually it's really hard to play quote unquote fun or loud characters because there's no sort of get up to the end of a number or anything like that. You have to come in at 110. If you don't, everyone goes, oh, they're not very good or there's easily some criticism of a lack of energy or however it might be but with mm. with you you have to come on full out from the beginning because she's funny like she's so funny and she's loud and these outfits are to die for so they probably help yeah. and the wig is so camp and I can imagine we talk about drag and putting it all on and finding yourself I imagine that probably oh, yeah. does help but for you is it hard you know Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock whatever it might be or Thursday to to come in at 100% and I guess how do you how do you dive down and find that yeah I somebody asked me this the other day and I actually a lot of it is muscle, mem muscle memory at this point but mm. I don't I rarely my our, our wig person Katie she's like you know what Joelle you never complain you're never tired and I'm like I rarely am tired 
And I don't know, I don't know if it's from all the years of being in the industry and, and having the advantage of having done long running shows before. So knowing in what ways I have to, knowing what ways I have to preserve in order that I, that I will be ready. But I definitely think something happens to me energy wise as soon as I step in that building. Like my voice goes up at least three or four notes and my energy shifts. So even if I might have been having the worst day outside of the building, something about when I step in and I know I'm about to to perform, it's just like a complete, my mind, it just takes over and something else happens. I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a big partier. In terms of taking care of the voice, people would say I should, I should drink more water, which I should, but I don't because that's just who I am. I hardly drink water. I don't put the pressure on me of, well, if I if I have to hold back a little bit because I'm not feeling the best or whatever, the, how the audience is going to take it. I'm not, I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with what can I do? How much can I give? And I'm going to give as much as I can. Hmm. That's, what's, that's what's most important. As long as I'm serving the story and the character, then that's all that should matter. I like that idea of walking into the building and suddenly feeling, I guess, a, an energy or a connection, but also I imagine a respect it's to really the good. fact that you're living yeah, in the reality exactly. of what you wanted, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like I'm literally living the dream. That's this is what I wanted. So Definitely. how could I not step up to the plate every night and do what I'm supposed to do? Right. I'm in a very blessed position. Very blessed position. Definitely. Well, I came to see you on a matinee performance, and I literally was joking. If that's what she delivers on a matinee, oh my gosh, imagine <laughs> the end of a week. It was crazy. And sometimes the matinee is easier. I don't know. Sometimes the matinee is easier for some. Sometimes I shock myself. I'm like, oh yeah, she's ready. Let's go. But yeah, how the the body just knows. The, literally, the body just knows. Definitely, the body knows rest. That's why I've definitely liked being in this. Interview. The body knows when it's tired. Yeah, tired too. Exactly. The body knows when it's tired too. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've been very calm with the time. There's just a couple more questions that I'd love to ask you. And and I, I read this and if this is wrong, this is this is really funny, but I believe that one of the great shifts in your desire and want to be in this industry was from seeing a certain, was it a Disney musical on stage? Because if it, it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the one that I love. So I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Lion King. Lion yeah. King changed my life. I was in university and my intention was to become an entertainment lawyer all the way. I was in my second year and I was just going to do a third year, do a BA and then go right at the LSAT. And then that summer, I went to see The Lion King, the Canadian company. And I saw and I was like, I was literally like, I can do that. 
And then that's how my whole journey started with being in musical theater. I had no intention. So I was in my, what was I? I was, I was in my first year of university or second year of university. Yeah. So I was like 20 or 21. And that's when I decided I was going to do this for, for a career. That's when it, that's how it all started. And I eventually got into The Lion King. Wow. And then it just went from there. What was that moment like, sort of opening of, of Lion King? Oh, I remember my very first day of rehearsal. We rehearsed in this old church in this area called Bronx's Vales in downtown Toronto. And because the show had already been running for two years, we were there were a bunch of replacements who would come in and I came in as a swing. I came in as a swing and I understudied Nala and Shenzi. That was my how I came into the company. And I remember we were going around it. It was a day that brought they brought the whole entire company joined us. So all the existing members and all the new and they put us all together and we went around the circle. And when it got to me, I stood up and I said, I said something like, I am just so happy to be here. And I started screaming and because I wanted to be, as soon as I saw the Lion King, I was like, I want to be in that show. And then it took me a, a, about a year to get in. I had a bunch of calls, went through rounds of callbacks and callbacks. And then I, literally about a year later, I eventually got into the company and I was ecstatic. Like I was ecstatic because literally that was the show that made me want to switch career paths. That my desire was never to be a performer. And that was it. Okay, this is letting you on a secret. This might make me sound really sad, but like everyone has their like hype song. You know, they're like, if I need to get in in the right space. Mine is, but it's not the reprise. It's the first version of He Lives In You. For some reason, oh. it's just it's just when it all kicks in, for some reason, and, and this is why yeah. I think I love theatre so much. It's just because mm. of, of, I think, what I remember, what I felt the first time I heard that song. And obviously the reprise is extraordinary, and it's literally just like, I feel like I want to like kick down a door when it, it starts. But like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just when it, you know, when it works, it works. And for me, it works. Yeah, and every time I see that show, so I so I did the show, I did it till the so I started as a swing in Canada with it and then I became Nala and I took over Nala and I was Nala for a year or eight month run and then they took me out of that so I also learned there's a lot of politics in theater so I learned that as well that I learned a lot in that show and then I and then I closed the Canadian company as Shenzi so it was like I had this crazy wild ride of an experience why am I saying this oh so that was it for me with Lion King and then I saw it again on tour because I had a friend who was on the tour a few years ago and it still makes made me cry when I nothing on yeah like the beginning like circle of life I still I can watch the animated version and I still cry there's something about that music where it's like ugh, inside inside it's legendary for all the right reasons and I'm so glad that yeah. it's just you know it just I've honestly never met anybody that doesn't love the Lion King and I think if I met them I'd be yeah. like you're a terrible person I agree something's <laughs> wrong with them <laughs> something's wrong with them we've spoken so exactly. much about so many of the varying ways in which you've connected to this industry either through a desire to be part of this industry the way in which the Lion King gloriously obviously changed your perspective on life but the fact that you have been a lover of music the varying different iterations of your love of music which I think creates an incredible artist because you're multifaceted in, in varying different ways but also the, the beauty of your voice and the fact that it's been this sort of 360 experience of the thing that was almost separating you has actually become the thing that's been one of your greatest assets to then spin mm -hmm. that round to your time on Broadway now as a star on Broadway and to have people from all over the world getting the opportunity to see you soar literally every single night. You spoke a second ago about that desire. I'm going to do this industry and I want to be in it and I don't care how I get there, but I've got to find a way to do it. When you look at that production picture, when you walk past the theatre each day and you see it, what do you think the oh, person... Yeah 
that was thinking the Lion King is the one for me. What would she have thought of that picture? I don't think she had seen that yet. The, the vision wasn't for that. Wasn't like she, that person was so content with where they were and was so awestruck with the fact that that happened in such a short period of time. You know, I'm not one of those people who went to theater school and this wasn't by driving. I haven't been look, trying to do this for years. I wasn't somebody who grew up you know, fawning over watching the Tony Awards. That wasn't me. Um, that that wasn't my experience. So just, so yeah, when I got Lion King, like that was not, not like necessarily the end all be all, but I was like, this is the most incredible thing that will ever happen in my life to a point. I think that's what I thought. So to now see my <laughs> picture on a outside a Broadway house as one of the leads, is um yeah i don't know if there are any words i don't think i ever i don't think i had seen that you know you don't think about those things i didn't see that mm. so it's a beautiful it's a beautiful reminder um of what of just because you can't see it doesn't mean it can't happen um and there it is reminding me every and i get people sending me pictures i saw this banner in the in the at jfk or on the street over here and i'm just like wow it's like everywhere <laughs> it's been incredible it's been but always have to remain humble though because that could like well mess with you a little bit um but being humble is uh very important in this business because just as you know it's been up there for a while now it could very soon easily come down in the next few months so it's like keeping it all in perspective and yes this is a moment it's a great moment and there will be other great moments this is just the beginning you thought that was the beginning and life said actually not there's more to i know look at that that's so right i thought that was i honestly did i was like so i remember that day like it was yesterday i was so happy i was so happy yeah it's amazing well long may the rain continue because uh, as much as I could sort of keep saying it, it can come across as disingenuous but you are awesomely talented and that really was a very special gift that you gave us when I got the pleasure of seeing it and I'm very excited to see what continues to come and most importantly with your solo concert the fact we get to explore more things about you so thank you so much for your time I really really appreciate it thank you so much it's been great lovely talking to you You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.